Today is Wednesday, January 3rd, and you're listening to the Morning Announcements presented by Betches Media. I'm your host, Sammy Sage, and the Morning Announcements is your daily five-minute breakdown of the headlines that isn't afraid to take a side and roast the most consequential reality show there is, our government. Following South Africa's motion to launch a case against Israel for genocide at The Hague's International Court of Justice last week, Israeli officials have signaled that they intend to cooperate with the proceedings, and they're prepared to defend their actions in Gaza. Israeli officials have frequently denounced the court as biased against it, and they rarely cooperated in international cases brought there. So this signals a change in posture. Perhaps they purchased the viral posture correcting bra, which Instagram will not stop showing me ads for. This just marks the beginning of the things that the present Israeli government will have to answer for. Most tellingly, a poll conducted by the Israel Democracy Institute and released yesterday found that only 15% of Israelis want Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to stay in office after the war against Hamas ends, though he ironically seems to be the one who gets to dictate when that happens. His political rival and centrist minister in the current war cabinet, Benny Gantz, has the support of 23% of those surveyed, though 30% named no preferred leader. Meanwhile, Netanyahu's second least popular initiative is also in trouble. That would be radical anti-democratic judicial reforms that aim to strip the judiciary of veto power over the majority in parliament, despite there being no other formal check on the majority within their system. That's what happens when you don't have a constitution. Anyway, on Monday, Israel's Supreme Court struck down Netanyahu's law that sought to limit the court's own power. Do you still get to call it a constitutional crisis if there is no constitution? In one bright spot, a former member of Netanyahu's cabinet has offered something crazy, a public apology for contributing to the internal strife that preceded the October 7th attack, expressing remorse for her support of Netanyahu's proposed judicial overhaul. Galit Distel Atbarian is no longer a cabinet member, but is still a member of parliament in Netanyahu's own right-wing Likud party. She apologized, saying, quote, I'm telling you, the democratic secular public, I sinned against you. I caused you to fear for your lives here. I was one of those people who caused the state to be weakened. I created tension and this tension brought weakness. And this weakness in many ways brought the massacre. Now that is how you issue an apology. Take note, Bravo Lebs. You do have to wonder what that 30% with no preferred leader thinks of her. Back over in our own corrupt corner, New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez has been charged by federal prosecutors, again, with aiding yet another foreign government. In addition to previously being accused by the DOJ of using his political influence to help the Egyptian government in exchange for cash and gold, he's now being charged again with the same thing, but for aiding the Qatari government. The new indictment also suggests that Menendez and his wife had attempted to cover up the alleged bribery after their home was first raided in 2022. Specifically, in December of 2022, Menendez attempted to repay tens of thousands worth of, quote, loans that had come in the form of payments towards his mortgage and a Mercedes convertible. Really, Bob, couldn't you just use your insider knowledge of Congress to play the stock market like all of the other senators? You just had to go to Qatar. Speaking of broad-based corruption, the long-awaited list of approximately 150 names connected to the sex trafficking operation of the late Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell is expected to be released today. It has already been reported to include Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and Prince Andrew, 
each multiple times within Epstein's flight manifesto for his private plane, the Lolita Express. Could he have been more aggressively obvious? These names are being released after a federal judge authorized the unsealing of these documents in connection with a 2015 defamation suit brought by Virginia Dufre, who had accused Epstein and Ghislaine of trafficking her as a minor. I really need to know the Vegas odds on how many more times Bill will put Hillary through this. After facing weeks of backlash for Harvard University's handling of campus anti-Semitism and her subsequent congressional testimony about that, Claudine Gay announced her resignation as Harvard's president yesterday, though she will stay on as a faculty member. Not only had the House of Representatives Committee on Education and the Workforce opened an investigation into anti-Semitism at Harvard, they announced on December 20th that they would expand their investigation into allegations of plagiarism in Gay's past academic work and Harvard was in the process of providing the committee with the requested documents and records. Gay wrote in her resignation letter that it had become clear that it was in the, quote, best interests of Harvard for her to resign, though it had been, quote, distressing for her to have doubt cast on her commitments to confronting hate and upholding scholarly rigor, and that it was frightening to be subjected to personal attacks and threats fueled by racial animus. Next, we turn briefly to South Korea, where the leader of the country's major liberal opposition party, Lee Jae-myung, was stabbed yesterday in the neck by a man who had asked for his autograph, while Lee was on a tour of a proposed airport site with a crowd of journalists. The 67-year-old suspect, San Jae-han, was also dressed as a supporter and was apprehended by police immediately, whom he told that he had intended to kill the Democratic Party leader. Lee underwent a medical procedure and his party called the incident a terrorist attack and a serious threat to democracy. What isn't these days? For our final story today, we have a positive 2024 development. As of January 1st, more Americans will be able to access insulin drugs at $35 per month after the country's three largest insulin manufacturers negotiated with the federal government, which fought for drastically lower prices. Out-of-pocket costs for Medicare enrollees are now capped at $35 per month, thanks to the administration's Inflation Reduction Act. This comes after the 8.4 million Americans who rely on insulin to survive faced a steep increase in the inflation-adjusted cost of insulin by 25% between 2017 and 2022. The glory years, I think that's what they call them. Thank you for listening to the morning announcements presented by Betches Media. Until tomorrow, I'm Sammy Sage, and now you know what the fuck is going on. 